The Courage to Lead, Episode 54. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a pretty darn good week, except for the rain coming in, but we'll talk about that some other time. Um, I'd like to introduce you to a guest. This is a lady that I connected with on LinkedIn not too long ago, and uh, we just became acquainted and, and I convinced her to be on the podcast. So, so I'm excited to talk to Jessica Yarborough. Jessica Yarborough has quickly developed a reputation of being one of the best business strategists and marketing and sales consultants for entrepreneurs who want to sell high value products and services. Her background is in international business and she has built multiple companies. Jessica is a genius at showing entrepreneurs how to build an expert platform, rapidly raise their value, build their credibility online and attract high paying clients. She travels the world teaching and inspiring entrepreneurs and helping them grow their influence and make the income and impact they desire. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Harlan. No, this is awesome. Like I said, we connected on LinkedIn a while back because we have, uh, I don't know, 20 some odd uh, common connections and everything like that. And uh, and then, I mean, I've kind of followed you, right? Different things you have posted and, and, and articles and things like that. But then I found your YouTube channel and I binged watched for like two days, every, <laughs> every YouTube video you put out there and stuff. So I am a fan, huge fan. Um, Thank you. So yeah, I'm a little bit... A little bit in awe right now, but this is good. I think this is going to be fun. Um, definitely want to talk about your background, how you got started. Talk about the businesses. You've created some multi-billion dollar type businesses and everything like that. You have a phenomenal business going right now. Want to talk about that. Um, and at some point, we'll transition into talking about courage. Sounds good. But right now, I have a set of questions that I ask. My listeners know that these are the questions I ask all of my guests uh, made popular on the television show Inside the Actor's Studio, where host James Lipton asks these questions of his guests. And I figure if these questions are good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my Dang. guests. Love so, it. Jessica, question number one, what is your favorite word? Love. Love. What is your least favorite word? I would say it's a combination. It's the should-haves. Yes. should have done this. <laughs> yes. What turns you on? Um, people that are in their joy, that are happy. What turns you off? Negative Nancy's. Okay. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? The sound of my daughter's laughter. And what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, scraping of like forks on a plate, you know, at the end of the bowl. <laughs> Or the spoon, anything yep. <laughs> like that. Uh, absolutely. Um, what is your favorite curse word? It starts with a sh and okay. ends with a it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I had one guy on the podcast say, yeah, my shih tzu just ran through the, the room oh, yeah. here. It's like, thank you. <laughs> All right. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Hmm, I would say... a an author, like a published author of fiction work. Fiction. Okay. Yes. What profession would you not like to do? 
Mm, I would say anything on that show, Dirty Jobs. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. All right, Jessica, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome. Welcome. Good job. All right. No dirty jobs here. We're going to have fun with this uh, conversation. Like I said, I wanted to get into your background, how you got started, and and kind of uh, what you're into right now. All right? So we will talk more about that right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. All right. And we are back with my guest, Jessica Yarbrough. Jessica, thanks again for agreeing to be on the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Like I said, I want to talk about your background, how you got started. So take me back school. You went to school to be what marketing? Is that what your, your degree was in? Yes, absolutely. So I went to university and studied international business, which was totally inspired by a woman giving a speech one day. Um, It was a fairly, yeah, it was a fairly new program. I I, I definitely wanted to do business um, and always was passionate about marketing. And she came and shared with us this really emerging market. I mean, I know I'm dating myself here a little bit, but international business wasn't as common, right? We didn't even have this massive globalization. We weren't getting everything from China. None of this was happening at the time. And so um, she you know, shared about the international business program. I joined international business. And during that time, uh, I was working in the healthcare, healthcare industry um, as I was going to college. And I also was really passionate about travel. I've always been passionate about travel. And that's where I started hearing about this concept of medical tourism. And it was actually my marketing, one of my marketing professors who plugged that into my brain. And then another professor when I studied abroad in Spain who reiterated that. And so I actually wrote a business plan in college for a startup global healthcare slash medical tourism agency. Um, But I didn't have the knowledge or expertise, nor did I have the startup funds. So I kind of like let it go. It was just a a passion project, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, And about six months after I graduated college, I literally met the man with the key. He happened to be in San Diego. He has shared my same vision. He had written the same business plan. Really? Uh, Only he had found something kind of cool, which is like a loophole in the US insurance market where we could pass along the savings into the patient through an HRA account. So Satori Global was born and we literally started with a couple of desks and computers and built a company that had hospitals in seven different countries. And it was wow. cool. It was one of the coolest things I've ever done. That and is that awesome. was in my so, early twenties. <laughs> what? A, seriously, I am such a slug. I've done like nothing. Okay. Um, what is medical tourism? Explain that. The medical tourism, which I do not do anymore, by the way, okay. is... Yeah. Uh, it's the whole concept that even though we are an amazing country, we are not the number one at everything in the world. We are simply not. In fact, do you know where the number one heart hospital in the world is? Can you guess, Harlan? No. Um, Well, uh, Israel. I don't know. No, India. 
Really? Okay. Yes. And because if we look at quality of heart hospitals, um, they look at one of the indicators is do people survive during a heart procedure, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, that's good to one, know. Yeah. One of two ways to go, right? So it's a <laughs> yes. good indicator of quality. Well, India has the sheer volume uh, that pales in comparison to even our top hospitals mm-hmm. in the United States. So, and this is not just true for heart procedures, but for many procedures. So the whole idea is going abroad to get these procedures that would normally cost you an absolute fortune in the U.S., going to centers of excellence and uh, being able to take advantage of that. And so there's a whole market now, but at the time it was very, very emerging and novel um, concept and people actually do it. It's quite common now. Wow. So you did that Satori World Medical. Um, Did did you sell that. that business? No, actually, I walked away from that business. So I, you know, I was very young and it was an amazing experience to be able to realize a potential that I didn't know was inside of me in order to be able to build something so quickly and under pressure from shareholders and all of that. Uh, But what happened was I got really burnt out and I would say I was on the verge of a breakdown Mm -hmm. and I went on vacation and I had what I believe is a spiritual awakening where I kind of woke up to this is an amazing experience and I'm so proud of everything that you've done. And I love this company. And I saw another path open up where I got to really honestly learn to love myself and see the world in the way that I wanted to see it and go and explore this aspect of myself that I hadn't because I started off managing my first company as a teenager. So I kind of bypassed a lot of the fun stuff. I mean, I was volunteering in hospitals in my summertime at the age of 13 and 14, working in ambulatory outpatient surgery. And I was doing crazy stuff. Like nobody was doing that. (laughs) And so I was like, I want to go, I want to go do this. And I saw this possibility that I could still live my dreams in my life, but do it on on my terms because it wasn't fulfilled. Even though I love this company commuting, sitting under fluorescent lights, sitting in meetings, working long days. And I know I could be successful and have money and all of that, but I saw a vision of myself being quite miserable. And so that was a pivotal moment in my life. When we talk about courage, because it was the first major decision I ever made in my life without surveying anyone. Um, And that's powerful because if we, if we ask people the, their opinion, most of the time we're going to get talked out of our dreams. They're going to project all their fears and insecurities onto you. Absolutely. And I didn't discuss it. I came back, I walked in and much to the dismay of every person around me, I said, this is what I'm doing. And I walked away and I gave up everything in that company. And thank God I did, because believe me, the people around me were very unhappy. I don't just mean the company, but I'm talking about my family. Very few people supported me. They thought that I was nuts. You're giving up this amazing job. You're getting all this money. You have the title. This is everything that you wanted and worked for. This is the dream. And you just walk away. And I literally was like, yes. And I sold everything. I took 13 pounds of stuff on my back and I bought a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia. And I spent the next four years really diving into spiritual practices, understanding who I was, uh, seeing the world. Um, And it wasn't really until I got pregnant with my daughter years later that I circled back to the business world. I went on a whole other journey uh, and I'm so grateful for that experience. Why does it have to get to that point? You know, mm. you hear that so often that people get to that that burnout point and say, you know what, I need to go find 
find myself myself. (laughs) and what I want to do and how I want to do it and everything like that. Why can't we learn that stuff earlier? I think the problem is, is our society is not built that way. We are built to, you do this and then you do that and you get to those goals and you check them off. And then, you know, you just work towards retirement and then hopefully you get to enjoy your life at that time. You know, it's not even really encouraged in the United States to even take a gap year. That's a very like European thing. And believe me, I want my daughter to go off and explore before so that she can truly make decisions about the direction of her life versus feeling like we have to be so career oriented um, that we bypass some of that actual living and exploration. Because before you know it, when you have kids, you can do it. I certainly travel with my daughter. It is a very different experience. It's resorts with the kids club. It's (laughs) it's not backpacking, (laughs) but you know, I just, it, it was the path I took and I'm glad I'm thankful for it. It was not the easy road by any means. I think it was the harder path. Um, but when I did go back and build my business uh, and start get back into consultant and build my business to what it is today, I mean, those memories and how I live my life and how I show up and how I work with people, all of that was influenced. Had I not had that experience, my business would be very different. Absolutely. So you traveled the world. How long were you traveling? Four years. Four years all over Southeast Asia, became a yoga teacher, said, oh, I'm done. I'm not going to you know, do business ever again. Moved to Central America, was living there, uh, really was going to go on this path of this is what I'll do. And I got pregnant with my daughter and had that you know, come to Jesus moment, like, okay, yeah. wait a minute. This has been fun. Yeah. Had a gr- I had a great time. Sure. Uh, but I want stability and I want uh, to show my daughter what's possible and create this amazing life. So I poured myself back into consulting and built my business from the ground up, raising a newborn as a single mother. And that's why I tell people, if I can do it, absolutely, uh, you can do it too. <laughs> that is awesome. All right. So looking at your, your profile on, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, the Jessica Yarborough Consulting, is that yes. what you were doing during that time? Or was that after you got back? So that was both before my company. And then okay. there was a break. And then I was doing that before I transitioned into teaching other people. So I would okay. say when I first had my daughter and when I was pregnant, I was doing a lot of consulting for companies and doing a lot of their marketing for them. And what happened was I had a lot of friends. They saw me make this transition. They're like, wait a minute, how are you going from teaching yoga and now you're doing marketing? You're having all the success. Will you teach us? Um, and I love teaching. And I wasn't really fulfilled, even though I'm good at going back and doing marketing for people, it's not fulfilling to be behind the scenes for me. And so I completely let go of that aspect of the business, which was another leap of faith uh, financially to follow my true passion, which is let me, uh, instead of, uh, you know, give a man a fish, feed him Mm -hmm. for a day, teach a man to fish and feed them for a lifetime. Um, And I poured all of that energy into building a business that empowers other people to take their genius and turn it into a very lucrative, sustainable and scalable um, coaching or consulting business. And today we've scaled many, many people to the mid six figures, all the way up to multiple seven figures that never were there before. So it's very fulfilling. Like I said, I I binge watch your YouTube uh, videos. Uh, You're sitting there with a whiteboard, drawing pictures and and (laughs) writing faster than I can comprehend. And it's a natural, you seem like a natural at the training side. So, uh, I think it's awesome. So you knew from an early age, you wanted to be in business and involved in business. Did that come from family or is that just, you just woke up one morning and decided that's what I'm going to do? 
Well, I will say that my mother is a total badass. She's very intelligent. Uh, she didn't go into the entrepreneurial world, but she did uh, become a pioneer really in the construction education world in a time where women, you know, weren't involved. I mean, she was the president of the National Association of Women in Construction. And so mm-hmm. I watched her journey and like really fight for that. Uh, I didn't decide I did not want to go in that industry. <laughs> I dabbled in it. But just seeing her and and seeing her as that working woman archetype was definitely uh, very inspiring for me. On the flip side of that, I think, you know, I went in that direction because that's what I saw and I could have pursued a life that was totally career oriented. But I also saw the other side of that because this archetype that emerged in the 80s was the women that can have it all, do it all. Mm -hmm. So they kept doing their home duties and we're like this superwoman and the job and this and that, and at the expense of their own self-care. So I started down that path, which led to burnout. And that's when I realized, wait a minute, I, you can't actually do all of this, but you can't do it if you don't take care of yourself. Exactly. So reprioritizing myself, uh, care and actually teaching my daughter that, uh, that there is a way that you can live a life in balance, still care for yourself, build a business that is, sustainable and again, profitable, but not the expense of everything else around you. So she's an inspiration, um, for both where I wanted to go and how I, how it could be different as well. Excellent. Very cool. So your current, um, consulting coaching practice, you started Mm -hmm. in 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, how many employees do you have with you? I have four people on my team. Nice. And you do travel internationally, right? I do when COVID isn't happening. Right, right, right. Well, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. I will say that this whole, um, you know, I was running multiple events per year and we've really pared that down just because people are not, it's been hard for them to travel. I was doing uh, six events, uh, live events a year, several of those retreats. And we've pared that down to now two events. We are going to try to do three next year, but we're kind of flowing with everything that's happening and things are just now starting to open up, uh, in California. So hopefully we can, we can bring events back as a, a a big part of our business because I love the live interaction. Absolutely. Yeah. I miss it. Um, did the, the pandemic, did that hurt your business at all or did you guys actually, uh, 2020 was my biggest year ever. So what, what I think happened was, and this was always very intentional because, because the fact that I'm a mother, I built my business to be online focused. Mm -hmm. We added events later and that was always intentional versus some people built their business to bring people to events, upsell them. Like that's their revenue stream. And they were really crippled during COVID. I always had the intention of, I need to be able to run things from anywhere in the world. I want to be able to not have to show up in person in meetings or have to do events because I am a mom and that I would always add that later on. So my business, I focused all online and it's a, it's a longer process sometimes, but it was set up for, it was set up for perfectly for success when COVID happened. So it was our biggest year. Um, and we're continuing on that trajectory. Awesome. And you work, your, your target market is coaches and consultants, right? To help them build their business. Yes, it's coaches or consultants, but sometimes I have, uh, for example, my client, Laura, she's a nurse practitioner uh, with decades of experience specializing with seniors. Um, she has a you know a home care practice that she built to seven figures. 
and she had this knowledge and dream of bringing dementia care awareness and training forward. So I actually helped her build a training program that she takes to senior living centers and is able to sell it for, you know, 75,000 to $97,000 plus. So sometimes they're not coaches or consultants per se, but they have this knowledge and genius that can be turned into a training type program. So um, it's not always traditional coaches. Yeah. And so with the the clients that you serve right now, what do you, what do you see? What is it they're missing or what is it they're not doing that holds them back from achieving those kind of results? Uh, What's well, a lot of things. I would say first, uh, it's distraction and a lack of clarity. Okay. Uh, most people are, you know, doing, trying to do too many things. They might have been gone down a rabbit hole of internet marketing and think that they need to have, you know, a book and a dozen funnels and upsells and downsells and all of this complexity. And all of that usually just keeps people overwhelmed and confused. And so one of the first things we do is streamline their offers and really position a high value offer so that they don't need volume or complexity uh, in order to hit their numbers. So that would be one. Another is also they're blind to their own genius. So some we, what happens is people end up being a, a you know, a jack of all trades, master of none. It's really hard to stand out online if you are, you know, uh, in a generalist. And so we help them understand their genius, specialize so that we can then go on to create that expert authority where they can create uh, demand for their services and charge a premium price. So I'd say those are the top two when they first come to me. Very cool. And the thing I, I learned from your YouTube videos, um, instead of starting off with the freebies and then work into this next little offer, the next little offer, the next little offer, and eventually get up to the the big you say flip that around, right? Identify yep. what that big offer is, and then you have the other ones. Talk a little bit about that, how you came up with that. Yeah, so we take a top-down approach, and, and I've done both ways, and it is hard to, here's the problem. When you have a 497 product to a 3,000, to a 5,000, to a 25,000, at each level, more people are going to drop off, right? Yeah. So a person that spends $300 with you, the likelihood that they're going to spend 25,000 is very low, like less than 10%. So you're putting all this energy into creating funnel and marketing to each person at each stage of the buying because they're different products. So that's more complexity, more emails, more funnels, more landing, like everything, right? More copywriting. Um, and meanwhile, you're getting drop off. What I say is forget all of that. Sell a $25,000 program. Start there. And then if you want, you can downsell them into a 15. Most of the time, our clients are starting even higher, like 50, 60, 75, and they're downselling them into like 25 or 30. Wow. And you can absolutely go from back build and, and sell a course. Um, the problem I have with courses is they're great for the course creator when you've reached a certain um, status, when you have a certain level of notoriety, like the big people, mm -hmm. because they've got the network and they can push it out and they can make you know multiple six figures off a launch or sometimes seven for the average person, the likelihood that they're going to monetize the course is very low. There's a lot of strategy behind it and usually a lot of ad spend if you don't have the money. But beyond that, if you are truly in the business to help your clients get results, courses aren't going to do it. Courses have an 80 to 85% attrition rate. People love to buy them because they love to swipe that card. It makes them feel good like they're going to accomplish something. <laughs> right. They watch one or two modules and it collects dust on their laptop. Yep. So if you really are in the business of transforming lives, what do we need? They're going to need mentorship. You better believe they're going to need accountability. <laughs> yeah. They're going to need feedback guidance on the principles that you're teaching. 
in your course. And none of that can happen when, if, if the other things are not built in. So why bother? Uh, why bother bring a, a knowledge broker that doesn't get results instead? Yes. Sell the knowledge, but sell them everything else that they need to actually succeed. And so that's the premise of my business model and what we teach our clients. Very cool. Yeah. The accountability is huge. Um, that's one thing people know generally what they mm -hmm. should be doing. Yeah. They know they should be doing this or that, you know, making the cold calls or whatever it happens to be. They know that's what they should be doing. They just, something else comes up, that little shiny object, you know, the squirrel, right? And yes. they, they go off on something else. Um, aside from that, the accountability, are there myths or misconceptions that a lot of these business owners have that are holding them back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I... People, there are many misconceptions when it comes to the marketing world. Um, there's misconceptions with how you approach your in-person. There are misconceptions with uh, sales conversations. I mean, there's a lot of things that can hold people back from achieving the success. And that's why I just like to get back to being simple. And I wrote a post on this. I wrote a post on all the things you do not need to be successful. And I listed out 12 different ones from a best-selling book to a TED talk to whatever. You don't need all those things. What do you need? First of all, you need to have a compassion. You need to have a desire to actually help people. Okay. You absolutely got to be able to, if you're going to be in the service-based industry, right? You need to be able to solve a big urgent problem. And you need to be able to get on the phone with the people that have that problem and communicate your value and your solution. And that's all you need. Yeah. That's really all you need. And when, if you can get those things down, you're going to get some clients and some cash flow. Now you can build in systems to scale and add on all the bells and whistles. Beyond that, do not get distracted or feel like that you need, you know, uh, badges of uh, from Forbes and Thrive <laughs> and all of these yeah. on you. No one cares. Yeah. Okay. They care that you can solve a problem that you can relate to them. You can communicate that you can solve that problem. They will trust you and they will buy from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Helping a couple of clients with their websites. Their websites was all about me, 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 me. Yeah. All the certifications I have, how long I've been in business, you know, granddaddy started the business. We've been in the same location. It's like, none of that matters. Yep. What can you do for me? Do you understand what I'm going through? And do you have a solution that will help me? And if so, talk about that. Then the other things come into play, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. I, I, I love your, your whole model that you put together. It's great. Um, let's talk about courage. So you said you a little bit from your mom, right? Seeing what she was able to do and, and did. Um, where else did that courage come from to just decide I'm going to create a business, right? Create a business yeah. plan, create a business out of scratch <laughs> and do it I multiple times. Yeah. I just feel, I mean, I will say there's innate, there is God given gifts. I've always felt like the black sheep of my family. You know, I definitely am. Uh, I've always gone my own way. If you tell me I can't do something, that's the surefire <laughs> way that I'm going to do it. And it's, it's just the way it is. Like I know that, and I know in my heart and it, what you call it, your, your soul guidance, higher power, God, mm -hmm. all of that that if there is something that I am resisting that terrifies me, that I have to do it because I know on the other side of that is the freedom, the growth that I'm looking for. And yeah. so sometimes you just have to jump off the cliff and trust that you can fly. Yeah. And I know that that is something that is very hard to teach, 
but the reason why they're so there's a whole graveyard full of hopes and dreams out there is because people allow fear to control them. Yes. And fear is there for a reason to keep you safe from, you know, obviously like a lion eating you back in the day. Sure. But it's, it's not going to serve you in, um, realizing your greatest potential, your legacy and your purpose, uh, in this life. Yeah. And I think we listen too much to those voices, those people that, you know, will say, oh, you can't do this. Oh, you'll never be good enough for that. You know, we, we buy into that of course. and we start repeating that over and over to ourselves and stuff. Yeah. And that's why you can't away. survey those people. So yeah. for the listeners out there, if you felt this calling and normally like, it, it's like a little stirring sensation, little bubbling, and it gradually builds up kind of like you were saying, Harlan, why do it, till it explodes. Right? Right, right. And you feel that and you know it, you can connect with it. There's something in there. There's a lack, there's a gap, you know, there's something more, there's a dissatisfaction and whatever that is, could be your relationships. It could be your, your career. You need to listen to that. Mm-hmm. And rather than surveying everyone around you, you need to go someplace where you can get really quiet where there's no distractions. And I, you could go rent a cab in the woods a mile from your house or whatever it is, just go somewhere and sit with that and, and, and allow whether you want to call it God or that voice to talk through you because the answers are all within you. Mm -hmm. And rather than asking everyone around you who may very well talk you out of it and keep you in that job for another 10 years or in that marriage for 20 years or whatever it may be, you need to get really clear and listen to your inner truth. Um, and make the decision and then tell people about it after. After. Absolutely. After. Yes. And I think that's one thing that we as coaches try to do with our, our clients is, is help eliminate, remove some of those blocks. You know, Absolutely. stop them from focusing on this. Look at this. Open up. You know, I love brainstorming. I love the big whiteboard, just drawing pictures and everything like that to try to get people to, you know, see the potential that they have, the potential their business has, you know. Absolutely. And I think also just listening. So when I listen, I'm listening for what's not being said as well. And I think that's the beauty of a coach as well is what are you, what are you not saying? And then that's when that emotion can come out and their tears come in. They're like, well, actually, this is what I want. And I'm like, there you go. You know, it's all there within us and we know it. It's just, we've, we build these layers uh, to protect ourselves because, you know, there's the shoulds of the world. should have done this or, you know, I can't be this way. And, and all of that really blocks us from our truth. And, um, it's a beautiful thing to be a coach, as you know, and to help people really uncap their, their own potential and be, and step into that limitlessness that they are. Yeah. Anthony Robbins says, I think it was him that said, you know, you should all over yourself is basically what you end up doing, right? Yes. Holding yourself back. Um, Courage. What type of courage do you think is most important for an entrepreneur? Disciplined courage. Discipline. Yeah. I mean, I like the intellectual and, and being open to new ways of, of doing things. And of course, moral compass should be just yes. having a moral compass and moral courage is, should be just part of who you are. But it's that disciplined courage. It is that ability to show up and do what you need to be to do on a daily basis without complaint. Um, and to do it regardless, if it doesn't get instant results, because, you know, there's a 10 year story behind every overnight success. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and to be disciplined, even in the face of defeat, 
um, as too, it's far too many people. I always tell people their hardest, um, to me, the hardest part of being an entrepreneur as a coach or consultant is really making your first like 150,000. That's the hardest part, you know, because you're get, trying to get people to pay attention to you. You're new at everything. You're just like, Hey, I can help you. And, and if you can get past that, um, it does become easier. I mean, obviously we create a new set of problems, but we have opportunity that, uh, and wisdom garnered by it. But too many people quit before they, they really hit that $150,000, $200,000 mark. If you can just stick with it and be disciplined mm-hmm. and know that if you just show up, I mean, that's part, half the battle sure. is, is, not, is people not showing up and checking out for a month at a time. Um, mm-hmm. You will succeed. But and there's it, so much noise out there right now. You know, especially true. when you, the, the consulting, you know, uh, and, and, and coaching environment seems like there's a lot of noise, a lot of people out there, a lot of people doing things. And I think one of the distractions is people saying, well, maybe I should try that. Well, they're doing this. Maybe I should do that. Yes. You know, and that's what I like about your approach saying, just tailor down, scale back, focus on one thing and do that better than anybody else. Right. Find your genius and work yes. on that. Start with that. Yeah. Start with that. And then I always recommend to anyone, find someone that you admire that's further ahead of you and like, listen to them. Don't listen to type 10 different people. It's going to create overwhelming confusion. Um, you know, you get to decide how you spend your time, but the shiny object syndrome is going to pull you back and, um, you know, chasing every new strategy. It's like, there's a reason people are like, Oh, join clubhouse. I'm like, no, (laughs) no. Yes. And I know it's got opportunity. I know I could get clients and of course, it's yeah. not what I want to do. I, it, with my time, yeah. you know? Um, and so being really protective and learning to say no is, is an important lesson for entrepreneurs. Absolutely. So you are a leader, uh, you've worked with leaders, you coach leaders and consult with leaders. What do you think is maybe one, one type of courage that either they, they don't have or, or don't show enough? Hmm. I mean, it depends on where they're at in their journey. I think for the newer, it's the disciplined, right? Because they need to get that disciplined courage. What I found with people who are more established, the quarter to half million, right? They've yeah. got the discipline in there. Um, hmm, what would it be then? It could be the intellectual because sometimes they get stuck in their ways. Yeah. You this know? is the way I've always done this it. This is the way I've always done yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but I really think, like I said, the discipline, it really is the new one As I'm telling you people that are established, they've got it. It's just part of their routine. It's not even a big deal yeah. anymore. It's having the plan and working the plan. And I, I don't think entrepreneurs take enough time to really put their plan together. No, they find something that works and they just keep doing that over and over and over until it, you know, it kind of gets worn out. It's like, no, yeah. have a plan, you know, that's right. Hmm. Is there a type of courage that is easier for you? I would say, yeah, like the intellectual courage. I'm all, I'm always open. I'm always, you know, um, I love to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm an avid reader. Um, and so I'm always open to new ways and like learning mm-hmm. about new ways of doing things. So the intellectual one I think is, and I've always been just passionate. I love to be around intelligent people yeah. and absorb their information. So I would say that's an easy one for me. Absolutely. Is there one that's tougher? Hmm. Maybe the emotional courage. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways, I think it's hard, you know, to be vulnerable 
and to kind of let your shield down and, and say, you know, here's how I, I the mistakes I've made. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's easier for me now. Uh, but I would say that that one was a journey. Yeah. That can be powerful though. I told the story once that, uh, I used to work at Lockheed aircraft out in California and we were on the top secret government side of things, a dark world. And, um, we were on a, a project trying to win a, a government contract and they called us all together into one of the big um, areas and the director of this program well, broke down in front of us in tears. Mm-hmm. He said, we, we failed. We, we lost the contract and there's no more work and go ahead and pack up your stuff and go home. But just him breaking down and being able to, to tell us, you know, it's my, I, he took full responsibility for it, right? It was his fault and everything. That vulnerability really made all of us feel a lot more loyal you know, to him and to the the program and stuff. So that can be really powerful. Yeah. I I think when you, it is powerful. And like, I think that's why you see Brene Brown and, you know, Mm -hmm. people are embracing the concept now that wasn't popular, you know, before it was like, you got to save face. You got to be strong. Can't show any signs of weakness. And now it's, it's more accepting to show that you're human and that you do make mistakes and that you have feelings. And I think that's even more powerful for a leader of a a large company to, to be able to be vulnerable. Yeah. Very true. So what's next for you? You've done so much. You've traveled. You're internationally known, right? You've got all this stuff going on. What's next? You know, um, what's next is continuing down the same path I'm on. I'm very fulfilled right now. Um, I've got every, I've got an amazing team in place and I, I don't take that for granted. It, that is a long time in the making. I have great clients. So for me, it's doing exactly what I'm doing. Um, and, uh, the additional free time that I have is spending more time traveling. I, I mentioned to you, Harlan, that I just purchased a travel trailer, never done that before. Not an RV person. I learned everything Excellent. and we've got six trips booked. I'm setting wow. it up for, um, the Wi-Fi boosting and all of that. So more traveling, more enjoyment. Um, you know, I, I, I worked hard to kind of design my life this way. And so rather than trying to, jump to the next goal. For me, it's really about steady, you know, nice. keep going exactly on the path you are um, and enjoying the process. That's awesome. I've got a, a friend of mine that uh, they sold their house, everything they own. They bought a big 30 foot trailer. Uh, there are three kids, two dogs, three cats. <laughs> That's insane. I have no That's, desire to do yes, that. <laughs> yeah, totally insane. And uh, they just travel the country. And cool. they, he and his wife both work remotely, so they're location independent. Um, the kids are homeschooled. And so, you know, they're learning about the Alamo. Oh, let's go to Texas. Let's and they go just, to Texas. Hey, yeah. cool. It's awesome. I love it. Very I'm cool. not ready to do that. I love my house. So I like yeah. to pull up the trailer and get out and go to my bed. <laughs> I do like yeah. the space. In fact, I thought of that the other day. I thought, I love this thing, but I don't want to spend more than maybe six weeks tops uh, and it, it, it's just not for me, but to be able to, I live in California. So to, to yep. go and take, you know, uh, a week here or four day mm-hmm. weekend here to me, that's, it, that's an amazing thing. And you've got some great places to get to that aren't too long of a drive. So that's awesome. That's right. Um, so you said you would like to be an author of fiction. Mm-hmm. 
That is something I, nobody ever asked me that, but you know, I love to read fiction and I yeah. think, and it's a whole other skill set. So do I have that within me? I don't know. I probably have to take creative writing classes and uh, hone in on that. I don't know. Um, but you've got the adventures, you've got the the travel, the people you've met, the things that you've done. You probably got a lot of material to draw from. I think I do have a lot of material. It's putting it all together. The way that authors are able to paint a picture on every mm-hmm. page as though you're in the room with them, the way they describe the food and the walls and the textures and smells and everything else, that would be something I would have to develop. But I think it's pretty cool. I do want to publish like a memoir of my life, but I think it would also be cool to, you know, write novels and all of that. Awesome. So we'll see when I feel inspired to go down that route, (laughs) I will. (laughs) Definitely. And we'll have you back on the podcast and, and find out about your book. Very cool. So if, if, we have consultants and coaches and people listening. If they want to get in touch with you, how can they best do that? Uh, definitely go to jessicayarbro.com um, or find me on LinkedIn. Let me know you heard me on the show. So I'll be sure to accept your invite. Um, and if you're looking for more great reading material, download some of our case studies. We've got uh, a seven-figure case study mm. where we took someone from kind of stagnant at a quarter million and showed broke down exactly how we removed the bottlenecks. And we have a, a case study of a client we took fresh out of corporate to from zero to half a million in less than a year and what we did to get him there. And so these are about 18 to 20 pages long. And yeah. um, I, I think very insightful, especially for the aspiring or established entrepreneur. Wow. Yeah. The the one story about, was it Michelle? Yes. Did you, yes. Phenomenal. That's awesome. All right. So jessicayarborough.com or on LinkedIn. And I will have all that information down in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Thank you so much. This has been excellent. This has been really, really good. I appreciate everything. Thank you for being a guest on the show and uh, good luck with everything. Thank you for having me, Harlan. Yeah, no problem. All right, listeners, hope you guys enjoyed this and hope you, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to take away from this and I I hope you guys were taking notes. Um, If not, listen to the podcast again, take notes. All right. And uh, that's it. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues. And uh, check back often because there's more coming. That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now. 